Well, hello everybody. James Rank here. Um, welcome to the show uh, with uh, Jimmy Payne here again as we uh, have a discussion about the uh, time travel experience uh, experiments experiments and at uh, Montauk Camp Hero facility and we will also be going into some of the USS Eldridge facility. So I apologize to the audience for being a little late here. We were having some technical issues with some echo sound that was occurring. And uh, we traced the problem back to uh, on my end, but uh, to to fix, remedy the situation, I would need to get a longer headset. So this, my headset wasn't going to plug in, wasn't reaching. So what we're going to do is I'm going to turn my volume down really low. Um, when um, it's not going to affect you on your end, but uh, so if I like kind of lean close to the microphone um, to my speakers, trying to hear Jimmy, it's because I'm trying to keep my audio down so Jimmy doesn't hear the echo because I don't hear the echo, and I'm I'm guessing the audience members do not hear the I mean the guests that are listening in on the live stream here. So, um, how are you doing t- uh, today, Jimmy? Oh, uh, you got to um, unmute yourself. I'm doing good today, James. Okay, great. Thank you for joining me. Um, so hopefully we'll have enough energy because I know it's late at night here, but uh, um, it's a little bit later for me anyway. But uh, so uh, Jimmy, we'll we'll um, we'll just push through here. So um, we're gonna go today. We'll this is actually a follow up of a previous v- a video we did back in, about six months ago, where um, Jimmy explained how he became a crew member on the USS Eldridge back in 1962 when he was under the command of German U-boat Captain Oskar Schneider, who was Phil Schneider's father. And we'll also be discussing the return of how this Eldridge, which is going to appear this year, uh, August actually, um, is going to, yeah. So we're going to basically, uh, for those of you who have not seen it, we're going to do a quick update on that. And we're also going to discuss how the Eldridge ties into Montauk. I know some people are asking some questions. Why did the Eldridge, which was being uh, was in the Philadelphia Harbor, suddenly show up in near Montauk, New York. So um, he'll explain a little bit about that. And um, yeah, so I got some more. If you if you read the uh, description here, we have some more information on his bio. Da- he was uh, Jimmy Payne was uh, Captain Dallas, um, which is what the uh, Aliens movies were based out of. That was he was actually on the Nostromo. He worked with the Tall White Warriors at Area 51 and participated in time travel missions with the Montauk Boys at Camp Hero. Um, so he's also been on Mars, Titan, the moon, and uh, yeah, so he was on the, the Vandenberg Air Force mission um, with the uh, Lunar Apollo 20. That was with William Rutledge, and they discovered an oriental-looking humanoid named EBE Mona Lisa. Jimmy claims the Apollo 20 footage on YouTube is real. So, um, and there's lots more, I think. So you've also met the predator creature, uh, um yeah, we had a discussion about the uh, the Mel's Hole and all that. So, Jimmy, you've been getting around a little bit with uh, your experience exper- experience with the uh, Men in Black, the uh, Positive Division. I guess you that you uh, mentioned. Uh, I guess was that ACO Division uh, uh, Six out of Pine Gap and Area Fifty One. Anything else you want to add to that, Jimmy? Well, I was actually born into all this. Okay. Okay. All right. So, um, so where should we take this next? You want to just, uh, why don't you just explain to the audience members what the USS Eldridge is for those of you who, uh, starting from scratch. 
What is that? Well, it's a destroyer that the um, the government built during uh, the wartime. Now, um, when this destroyer was was being built, um, before it could be put into service, it would um, be taken out on sea trials. Uh, and the uh, United States Coast Guard, you know, their job is patrol the, the shores of the United States territory. So this this uh, destroyer was not taken out by regular Navy personnel. It was taken out by United States Coast Guardsmen, and they would, uh, you know, test the engines, uh, the steering. Uh, the radar, all that was, uh, you know, has to do the sea, the sea trials first. So that's why that's a lot of confusion going on uh, because people think the Navy have contacted the Navy about it. And it wasn't the Navy that, that was involved with this. It was the United States Coast Guard uh, was involved with it. Now, um, I first, I want to go back a little bit and talk about my early childhood, and, but I'm not going uh, to stay on it very long because we have a lot to cover tonight. Uh, in 1961, um, my family was abducted and uh, I was taken aboard a craft and examined by what I would call uh, humanoids. Um, they were Caucasian. They looked very bad, badly deformed. There was a lot of genetic damage. And, um, but anyway, I ended up uh, being taken to uh, Nellis Air Force Base because when you come into contact with, with extraterrestrials, we don't know what kind of diseases they carry. Um, similar to like when the Indians came in contact with Europeans, a lot of the Indian tribes died out. So I had to be taken in and put into quarantine. And, um, and I had, you know, the men in black saw something in me that, was unique. So um, the, the president, who was Eisenhower then, he had like about eight months left in, in service to the, to the government. Um, he um, arranged for, you know, for me to, uh, since I wasn't afraid of aliens, um, he arranged for me to be brought to Area 51 and and basically uh, to be raised out there around these aliens, extraterrestrials. Uh, so I got my start with the men in black very early in life. But when I got, I say around 1962, um, I was taken. I was uh, there was a flying saucer, Area 51. It was basically the, the remains of the craft that went down in Roswell in 1947. Now, 
this spacecraft was damaged too bad to fly. So what they did, uh, it could be used as a flight simulator. And the extraterrestrials that were in that little craft were only like about three and a half, four feet tall. So they couldn't put a full-size uh, Air Force pilot in there to fly it. So they, they needed a child to fly it. So I learned how to fly a flying saucer when I was like five and six years old. Uh, but what happened when Lee Harvey Oswald went over to Russia, he spotted a flying saucer, and this one was the same make and model as the one at, um, out of Area 51. So I stowed it, and um, I flew it back, and I, fl and I landed onto the fort deck of the Eldritch. Okay, now that's how um, I was using the Eldritch uh, because I knew the Eldritch time traveled to bring it back in time. And I wanted to get it on the, the ship where we get this back to Area 51 or, you know, or get it back, like I said, uh, to the eastern United States where we could, you know, ship it. Um, but that's how I got my start. And when I was about, say, 10 years old, uh, eight years old, I would say, I went to Montauk and I kind of grew up around the Montauk boys. Um, and that's how I got my start at uh, Camp Hero. And at, you know, Camp Hero, uh, I was there when all the old timers were there. Um, Jack Purit was station manager. We had Preston Nichols. We had Al Bielek. And we had a lot of uh, uh, other uh, people there, important people there. And um, so that, that's how I got my start at, at Camp Hero, James. Okay, people are hearing said they're hearing some feedback. Maybe uh, Jimmy, mute yourself when I'm talking. I guess uh, so. All right. So, who are the uh, the key players on the L USS uh, Phil um, Eldridge and the Philadelphia experiment? Uh, so we've got uh, like Nikola Tesla. Um, supposedly Albert Einstein was there. And who um, you want to explain a little bit more about that? Uh, yes, uh, I met. I met Nikola Tesla. Um, a lot of people stated that he died in 1943. Um, because of time travel, I, I met him, okay? Uh, I did not meet uh, Albert Einstein. I met uh, Nikola Tesla. And... Um, but now Nikola, he died in like January of 1943. This is just a few months uh, before the July 22nd when uh, the ship, you know, teleported back in, uh, through time, uh, for it through time. Um, he, what happened... 
uh, some of the men became ill because of the, uh, the, the feedback from the radar on the, on the Eldridge. And Nikola Tesla went in there and he turned some screws around uh, on some of the electronic uh, stuff where it wouldn't work. And so he kind of exited the program, um, you know, prior to the, to the actual experiment. Now, what happened, uh, physicist Van Neumann was down there, and he picked up at where, where uh, Nikola Tesla went off, and he was the one that was able to get the, machi get the machine up and running. Um, but that that right there, when it did, when he did get up running, um, I had gotten abducted just prior. Uh, I got abducted in 1967, I believe. I had an encounter with a um, an Atlantean. Uh, that was. of a child and um and i was able to get control of that spear and i flew through time i came down in siberia uh and um they fired a, a missile at me and a missile miss and hit the forest there uh that's where the great um you know explosion occurred over in russia it knocked a bunch of trees down and all. Uh, I believe that was what 1908 when that explosion occurred, James. But it was somewhere down. Uh, it was somewhere close that uh, timeline. Um, I have to go back and look at the notes. Supposedly that was a, an experiment with the uh, Tesla ray gun. You want to comment about that? Uh I want to sidestep that. Um, there's a there's a lot of things that is still classified, James, and I I feel that I buddy sidestep that one question. Okay, all right, I'll just uh, share my screen here real quick. Hold on a second. Um, there we go. So the event took place in June 30th, 1908. Uh, correct. I was a little bit off on that, but that's uh, that. I remember the uh, the missile that missed me, and I was on the run with an experimental spear of alien, uh, very advanced. This this spear that I that I uh, took control of is faster than anything at Area Fifty One. We don't have anything quite. We have some. You know some some advanced craft at Area 51, but this one's really fast. Okay, keep talking. Yeah. Um. So let's see here. We'll go from so there. Uh. uh so explain how you actually a little bit more on how you got onto the Eldridge itself. Well, what happened, James? Uh, I had some communications that came through the computer on that spacecraft and I was ordered 
uh, to fly down by, by a, uh, a naval ship. And when I got over the naval destroyer, um, I was ordered to stand by for, for a test. And when the officer on the Eldridge uh, uh, fired up uh, the equipment, it, it caused the, the spear to become unstable. And I was getting some a lot of Gs. I was uh, zigzagging back and forth. It's kind of like if you take a magnet and you get it close to uh, like a refrigerator and you let go of it and it sticks to the metal. I mean, it pulled me that quick into the Eldridge. And the spear hit just below uh, the forward uh, uh, starboard side, excuse me, the, the, the forward port side. And um, right below the water line, and I slammed into it and went into the hole of, of the Eldridge. And um, when I got to the hatch door, um, I opened it, and one of the extraterrestrials escaped out of the hatch and got into the hull of the ship. Now, I went and I grabbed a, a, a laser rifle, um, and I, you know, I knew I had to, uh, you know, subdue the alien. And um, when I stepped out of, of, of the spear, I saw the damage it had did to the, to, to, to the hull of the Eldridge. And, but what was strange was the water was being held back. I could look and see the metal all bent inward, but I, I noticed the water was being held out. And I took my finger and I stuck it into the water and I pulled it back out and there was like a little bitty uh, leak, like a little, like you cut on like a little garden hose. Um, but anytime I, you know, like I said, I did it one or two times, it was leaking. I, I didn't do it anymore. Um, so when I left out of the hull, I went in through the, uh, I went in, I came in through several different compartments of the Eldridge. And um, I had a radio, a hand radio on me at that time. And I was being told, whatever I do, don't confront them. Only go behind the alien. Do, do not stand in front of the alien. <clears throat> Approach the alien from behind. And um, ended up getting into the kitchen area where, where I came in contact. That is the galley, the galley of the ship, the kitchen. And I went ahead and started firing this laser. And it had little balls of light that would come out of about the size of a golf ball. And this light was real slow. And by the time that the little ball light would fly across the room, uh, the alien would just barely get out of the way of it. We couldn't move very quick. It's like I was moving in slow motion 
and the alien's moving in sl slow motion and the light is moving in slow motion. But it felt like if you got into a pool, like a swimming pool, and you were like chest deep and you started walking kind of quick in the bottom on a pool, you'll feel resistance. That I was so I was feeling resistance, like you know, like, like if you you're driving a motorcycle, you feel resistance hitting your body. Uh, but I felt I felt gravitational resistance is what I felt. I didn't feel any water. Um, I didn't feel any wind, but it's like a gravitational drag, and I was moving real slow. Um, but it ended up like I said. Um, the alien was, was, was wounded and, um, I ended up getting him into a cargo area and I closed the hatch and I, it was a mop that I took and jammed up against the, um, um, the hatch door to, uh, to keep the alien from opening it from the inside. In other words, I trapped it in the cargo area. And I managed to get out, went through several of the car doors and found a hatch and opened it up. And, uh, and when I did, the, the Eldress was on fire. Um, it, was a, it was a green fire, but it's only like about four or five inches. You could see it four or five inches off the deck. And uh, it burned like alcohol. You know, alcohol is real hard to see when it burns. But, uh, but this stuff looked kind of greenish. Um, so I, I closed the hatch. I couldn't get out on that end. I went down a few more car, uh, car doors until I found another hatch and, I, and opened it. I was able to get out and get onto the deck. And when I got on the deck of the Eldritch, uh, the firefighting equipment, there's hoses, you know, attached to the bulkhead. So I, I pulled the hoses off, coupled them up, and was able to get the fire, open the valve up to uh, get the fire, firefighting equipment up and running. And I was able to put the deck fire out. And I would say at least a third of the ship was was on was on fire so it, it it did a lot of damage but it it was more um with burnt cables electrical cables um the paint the, the steel wasn't damaged but the steel was extremely hot just like you would grab hold of a hot cast iron skillet i mean when i the the heels of my boots, the heels of the, you know, the, the heels of my boots would melt a little bit. It was that hot. Okay. So once the fire was out, I was able to move from, from the rear of the ship towards the front of the ship, but I encountered that resistance again. It was just like, it was real hard. It took me maybe a half an hour. And see, that's the thing about it. You can't, you have no sense of time when you're on the Eldridge. But it just took forever um, for me to get from the 
from the rear of the ship to the forward section of the ship. And when I got up towards the, the forward section, I, I found a break in one of the cables that led from the generator to the netting on the side of the ship. And it was arcing green. And at that time, I seen out, out of the side of my eye some movement. And there was uh, Lieutenant Alexander Cameron. Now, he's the Coast Guard commander who was in charge of the Eldridge. See, they're supposed to be simply a sea trial test. And he asked me, he said, look, we got some damage here. And uh, this is a test, and and, and uh, we, you know, we can't we can't use the radios because it's 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 a test, so it's a secret test going on. Um, so he went, you know, we, we're seeing the damage, and we're feeling all these gravitational waves. He's feeling it. I'm feeling it. We know something's wrong. So we've got to get this cable fixed. And uh, so he went in there to the two box and he got some uh, tape, electrical tape, and got some clamps, you know, um, and um, electrical clamps, you know. And, but what, what happened was I, I repaired the cable from the generator was it was shortening out on the deck and I was able to pull the cable up wrap the tape around it and set it back down well that was the only break there was some more breaks um, on the side of the ship so Lieutenant Alexander Cameron said you know I said look we have more breaks I need you to go to get on the net climb down on the side of the ship and repair these brakes because it's still shortening out. That's where we're getting back feed on this generator. So I crawled over and um, that's him. That's him right there. Um, John Eldridge, the junior. Yeah. Now, the, the, the father was a little more... Uh, Have, can you pull the can you can you pull up the graduation picture, the Coast Guard graduation picture? What about uh, it, James? I can. Uh, I, that's not the picture I want, but. Um, let, let me go on with the story for a minute here. Um, what happened was I went ahead and went over on the side of the ship where the electrical netting was at, and I was able to repair it. Okay, I was able to repair it. And I came back over the side and got back on board and uh, Lieutenant Alexander Cameron said, "Look, we, we have we have men that are hurt." And I went 
to try to give them aid, and they were stuck in the steel, okay? They were stuck into the steel of the ship. And um, so what he did, he went and he got, uh, they had some spam on the ship. You know, like if some of the men got a little hungry because they worked through their lunch hour, you know, and you have to remember this ship was not ready, ready, ready to go into regular service. It was just out for about a day or so out on out on the uh, the coastal area for the sea trial. But they had some spam in in the uh, in the cooler. So he went. We went and we put the spam into a sack, and he handed it to me. He says, "I need you." This is this is in case, you know, um, you 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 become lost. You have some food here. I need you to climb back over the the the, the side of the ship. I want you to go down to the end of the net, and I want you to jump off. All right. It's kind of like if you see a bird land on a, on a power line, and, and and the bird is sitting there. He, holding on to the power line. You don't want to touch the ground and touch the power line at the same time. You have to jump. So when I got on the side of the ship, I threw the the food over my, my shoulder with the sack over my shoulder, and I had to jump from, from the net, the cargo net, on the side of the ship. I had to jump into what I would call the sea, but I didn't see the sea. The only thing I saw was, was pitch black. I never saw anything else, nothing but green light. And the green light would be very similar if you put on night vision gargles. That's the best way I can describe it, is uh, just a green light. And I jumped off and... I came down, and I came out when I when I came down. I hid outside the fence of the Eldridge. Well, excuse me, outside the fence of Camp Hero, and it was dark. And uh, and when I came down, not far from me, part of the tower came down and hit the fence, and let and 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 it uh, uh, so the fence was electrified. So I couldn't get into the to the base, and I was disoriented. It's it's kind of like, you know, um, the 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 radio frequency, the radio waves. It makes your brain swell a little bit. So I was a little bit disoriented. So I ended up walking out. Uh, you know, I was walk kept walking down by the side of the the security gate, security fence. I couldn't get in. I ended up wandering down onto the beach area. And um, I might have been maybe about three or four miles from the base walking down the beach. And the helicopters uh, came down. They landed. They picked me up and and brought me, um, you know, brought me back to the base. Were you in 1962 at this point? 
Uh, can you move? I was, I want to say it was 1967, uh, James. Uh, uh, no, I take that back. It wasn't 19, I was abducted in 1967, but it was like 19, I want to say 1964 is when, or either 1965, it was that timeline, because um, Oscar Snyder, uh, Captain Snyder, was asking me about it. Did I know what year it was? And I was a little bit confused because it still has some swelling um, pressure on my brain from the radio waves. That's what Tesla, what he was worried about. A lot of the men on the Eldridge was suffering this, the same uh, phenomenon. You know, uh, some of them uh, lost their minds. Some of them... Um, was delirious, you know, very confused. Um, but that—that's that's 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 one of the the, the instances I'm, I'm I'm describing here. Uh, Jimmy, maybe I'll um I'll can you click the private, private chat, chat tab? Where click on that? private, yeah. Click on private chat. I'll send you messages that way. So I just typed the questions that way you don't have to hear all the feedback. Yeah, I see it now. Okay. Uh, so exp uh, tell us more about the alien. I want to know like what kind of alien it was. Yeah. Why was it there? What did it look like? Um, well, it was an Atlantean. Um, the, the, the spacecraft that went down in Russia um, so you have a three-finger Atlantean and you have a six-finger Atlantean. Now, the six-finger Atlantean that went down in Russia uh, in 1962, um, the Russians recovered the spacecraft and um, what happened was they did an autopsy on the on the alien astronaut, and all of them got sick. Everyone on that base died. So we're talking about an entire Russian base with nothing but dead soldiers, and they they had a fever. They they all ran a strange fever, and the best way to describe it was like Ebola. I, I believe, and this is just what I honestly believe, I believe Ebola is an alien virus because, um, I, but what you see over in Africa is, is it's Ebola over there, but that, that virus takes time to kill you in Africa. This this virus was much more powerful. It's a much more powerful Ebola. I mean, it just, it just, they all just bled to death. They're all, all their insides turned to liquid. 
Okay. So what happened was the three-fingered Atlantean uh, showed up and um, the six-finger Atlantean was the one that was in the crash, but it was a three-finger Atlantean is the one that, that went after me. And um, because I had stolen the craft, I think it wanted the craft for itself to to fly to get to get off world. Now, that's what I believe. I just stole the craft before the three-finger Atlantean could get his hands on it. That's, that's the only thing I can make out. I'm gonna just type it out so you don't have to hear the the echo. Was the Ebola virus an AI black goo virus? Um, you know, James, I, I believe I'm I'm not going to say a hundred percent, but I but the way the Russians died, I mean, they just turned black. I mean, it it was just it was just incredibly quick. I mean, that meaning on the base dying like that. Now, I want to say this, the commander, the Russian commander of that base locked himself. When all these soldiers started dropping dead, he immediately uh, locked himself in the office. He was terrified. And um, when um, the, the three-finger alien met up with me, um, it, it, it wanted me to follow it. And, um, I followed the alien up into the base and, uh, they had taken, uh, some more stuff out of that craft. And, um, but what happened, um, the officer, the, the, the commander of that military base, he had a, a pistol uh, on his hip. And when the alien confronted the, uh, the, the, the Russian commander, um, you know, of course, the alien was telepathic and it told the, um, the, the Russian officer, um, uh, that he wanted every bit of the material back. And then it made the Russian officer apologize to him. And, and after he apologized to him, he made, by thought, he made the Russian pull the gun out of his holster. And he told the Russian officer to point it towards his head. And then when he put it to his head, the, the, alien said pull the trigger and the Russian officer pulled the trigger and he, and he blew his brains out the blood uh, part some of his brains and blood flew on me and it kind of traumatized me you know but he was doing it by thought in other words if that alien looked you in the eye and told you to put a gun to your head and then pull the trigger you you have no choice he was it was some type of mind control. And um, the alien called itself a god, G-O-D, um, and that it came in peace. But it was, you know, it was, it was furious at what had happened. 
So after the commander blew his brains out, um, the alien informed me, said, well, well, I want you to, you know, put the stuff that he took out of the craft back into this, you know, this uh, military truck and for you to drive the truck back um, away from the base here. And I did as I was instructed. You see what I'm saying? Um, so, like I said, it it um, the Russians claim it happened in like 1969, 1979, but that's that's um, that's incorrect. It happened in 1962. Now I think the actor Roger Moore did a segment on it. Um, you know about the flying saucer and it showed uh the alien autopsy the russian alien autopsy actor roger moore narrated the uh, the the clip but that was the actual craft that i stowed james uh do you see the screen yes. why was yeah why was the alien there do you know um could you mute yourself james uh my guess is is that not only was an alien monitoring a uh, camp hero uh he was also monitoring uh the spacecraft that went down in uh in russia so you have to remember the alien can time jump that's what he was doing um, I think, I think he wanted it to go off world with it. Now that's, that's just, I mean, no one, this is just something I've thought about through the years, you know, why, you know, he, he was desperate to get off world and he knew how to fly the craft and, um, but he was definitely trying to hijack it. I simply hijacked it prior to the, that he did. Uh, check, see the screen. Look at the question there. Did the hoe in hyperspace allow the negative grays to enter our reality? Um, James, they've been here a long time. The grays have. Um, now there was an instance at Camp Hero with, with some grays that I was with got dragged into the, um, the time tunnel. Um, I believe Al Bewick might have said something about that, and um, I think he gave it on one of his lectures. But they stayed at uh, Camp Hero for several days, and that's when Preston Nichols took some Lysol and sprayed on them, and they seemed to get drunk. See, they absorb nutrients through their skin, but a little gray, uh, if you don't, if he doesn't shower. Uh, he he can he can have a strong body odor. Very strong. Explain why why they smell so bad. They don't have they like we like a human defecates. We we have intestines. I uh, they don't have that. They expel the uh, when they're through digesting. 
they they see they absorb they absorb food through their skin and they and then it'll they, they expel it when it's through uh, absorbing uh, that's why they take blood say cattle and they they take this blood from the cattle uh, they smear it on their arms or legs that's how they get their nutrients and, and I'm gonna say something when you see mutilated cattle that's a good sign because if it's a wild gray it's not going to go after cattle it's going to go after humans so if you see mutilated cattle it means that you we have a friendly gray around he's going after the livestock but a wild gray will abduct you and cut you up yeah i got another mark <laughs> And I got one on my leg too. So, but that's, uh, I think these are like uh, reptilians that are doing this in Draco. Now, but, uh, now I want to say something. There are like parasites, um, like vampire bats. A vampire bat, I'm not talking about a vampire bat on Earth, I'm talking about an alien vampire bat. Oh, okay. Well, let's just move on here. Um, but I think I'm thinking you have more like puncture wounds. Um, yeah, my, my understanding of um, I was abducted by uh, some uh, reptilians in Draco, and they have this machine that comes down and it pulls, uh, it cuts out your flesh, and they they take it away and um, make clones out of it. So not the only thing they do with the flesh. Um, they also monitor ch changes and your, uh, mutations that they're, whatever the experiments they're working on. But, um, well, yeah. Well, I, I want to say something now. I, no one's never said this. It's, this is just something that I'm in the back of my mind. But when you, you hear about, um, lab grown meat, this is, you know, we're starting to hear about McDonald McNuggets. You know, we're we're uh, we're we're going we're going to have lab grown meat, like you have cow or pig or chicken. Basically, that's a tumor. All right. So when someone says, "Let's go to McDonald's and get some McNuggets," well, really, that's just tumor meat. So who's to say that? If they're not getting a little sample of flesh from you or blood from you, the tissue samples, and they're growing flesh, who say they're not doing that? You know, you know what, what I mean? mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, just go ahead. When I talk, mute yourself so that way I, um, there's no echo. But uh, yeah, so um, uh, did some, uh, communicated with uh, Gary, who was head of the. Uh, the Galactic Federation's uh, uh, military squad, and uh, they've actually they say they actually know where all these cloning facilities are taking place, and there's hundreds of thousands of clones in each one of these facilities, and there's people all over the all over the world that they've been cloning out for what I guess uh, probably to sell them off off world as uh, slaves. But uh, yeah, that's that's beyond the scope of this conversation. I I think we should uh, yeah move on here if you don't mind, Jimmy. Um, 
that, that sounds like a really good idea. How about uh, let's go explain why the USS Eldridge changed its location from Philadelphia to Montauk, New York? Is that that question has been coming up repeatedly in the last interview that we did in the uh, comment section? James, only thing I can tell you is I'm thinking the radar moved. You know, like it's like, you, you know, you have an object at, at point A and you want to go to point B. Now, I believe what happened, they turned the radio dish, uh, the antenna dish, they rotated it. And when they did, it picked it up and it moved it. Now, that's that's just my thought. I don't know because I was on the Eldridge. Okay, uh, I don't know what happened um, at uh, Camp Hero because I was actually on on the Eldridge. Now I do not do public appearances. I'm not like Al Belick, and I use the name Jimmy Payne. That's the alias name. Okay, uh, but I have no. I'm not trying to write a book about it. Uh, there's lots of people who wants to write a book about it. Uh, there's lots of people who want to make a movie about it. Uh, I've had over three dozen movies made of of just different things that I've been involved in. So when I see that on on on, on a movie theater um, screen, I get I feel violated. So that that's why I don't I, I don't I don't do public interviews. Okay. Yeah. Good. Okay. You already meet yourself. Great. So, uh, um, years ago, I worked with a, a lady that um, we we uh, remote viewed, or she did uh, a really really bad timeline to see what would happen if the cabal won, and we had to go thousand years in the future because it took a long time for planet Earth to recover from all the nuclear war. But uh, we see these giant fields where there's um, robots harvesting the wheat, and then we see a cloning factory where they have a clone. Uh, uh, uters, uters. Am I saying that right? The clown, uh, the cow uh, uter uh, that's producing the milk. So um, they just dump the the wheat into the into the stomach, so they didn't even have the cow anymore. And then the rich and elite were living at the top of these giant spire uh, skyscrapers, and everybody else was just basically a bunch of slaves. And it was, uh, yeah, um, basically a Klaus Schwab uh, dream come true. <laughs> so, um, but that reality, um, yeah, uh, the timeline has diverged around uh, 2011, in November in 2011. And that's when we had the splitting of 3D and 5D Earth. And that's why, Jimmy, I know, Jimmy, you, you always talk about your nuclear war. I think that that that, that timeline dissipated. But um, anyway, I what you're seeing on the screen here is the Sage Tower at uh, Montauk, New York. So, these towers are built in the 1960s to communicate with other towers, and I guess they, they would use microwaves into the um, atmosphere instead of satellites. So when satellites came, they made all these towers obsolete. But uh, yeah, so uh, that, that's what I want to see. Jimmy, you want to comment on any of that before I show the next picture? Well, you know, those are microwave antennas. And if you stand in front of it, you know, you're going to get, you're going to have swelling in your brain. So what the thing about the Montauk boys are is that when you get around this equipment, they go to talking and they try to put a year down and 
and and and then it, the timeline is distorted because you don't really know what what happens until your brain stops swelling. Um, we can time jump, but we have a little bit of brain swellage. Now, since then, uh, they've been able to get a lot of that uh, that bad radio waves that they've cut it down where it doesn't cause as much trouble uh, like it did in the past. Um, so people that claim to have time jump, um, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I know that on Camp Hero, there's at least 200 graves, 200, 225 graves out there. And those are Montauk boys that have been either killed or died or whatever. And they buried them um, out there in, in hidden graves. So that's why you don't, you don't hear too, too much about them. The Montauk boys and the, and the ones that did survive went to Vietnam. Like I've been to Cambodia, Vietnam, Laos. I've even been um, uh, within um, eyesight of the Chinese border. You know, I've been in Hanoi, been in prison in Hanoi. Um, so a lot of the 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 Montauk boys were. Very few of them lived. Okay, look at the question. Do you see it? Why is Alexander Cameron not able to tell what time it is? Yes. Yeah. Um. Well, it's 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 it's. I'm going to try to explain it the best way I can. If I took a flashlight and I shined it, shine, turned it on, on the deck of the Eldritch, the light would, would go out maybe six or seven feet and then bend downward. Uh, and if I put the flashlight on a table, I could walk to the other end of the room quicker, just just slightly quicker than the light could get to the other end of the room. It's kind of like you take a slinky. When you were a kid, you had a slinky toy, and you found some stairs, and you, you took the slinky and you leaned it over, and it you know went down to the next step, and then went down to the next step, and went down to the next step. That's how the light was behaving. Um, now, as far as not being able to tell time, um, I thought I was on the elders maybe maybe an hour. But when I came off the Eldritch, I had frost on my uh, on my skin. I had to be given IVs in all my both arms and both legs. I was dehydrated. Um, my fingers turned black as if I had been frostbitten, okay? And I was real weak. Um, and as if 
I had not had any food for about four or five days. Now, there's been instances where other men have entered a spear. We had another spear that came down um, that was retrieved. It wasn't brought back to our timeline. It was brought back into the future, about five, 600 years into the future. And those men, when they entered the spear, they thought they were in there for like 20 minutes. And um, when they came back out, they had beards, four days, five days worth of beards. And they had only been in there like 20 minutes inside the spear. So it is a distortion of time. Um, that's the best way I can describe it. Okay. Well, let's let's move on to um, to uh, let's go. So we're we're going from the early '60s um, into the '70s, and there was a a precursor to the Montauk Project um, that was known as the the so-called Montauk Boys. Um, but uh, uh, explain maybe go into explain about uh, Project Paperclip, uh, maybe Monarch programming, uh, and how how they were programming uh, children's minds, I guess, is what they were looking for. Uh, I guess in the beginning, boys, and then later on, they found girls were just as useful. So, um, Jimmy, do you have inf information on this? You can uh, tell us a little bit about the early, uh, before really Montauk Project uh, started. Well, first off, I'm, um, I'm tied in with Project Paperclip. Um, my family, uh, is, is, I, I have relatives in Germany, uh, and I have relatives in, in, uh, in Italy. Okay. So when paperclip, when, when, when the scientists in Germany were being brought over to the United States. Um, a lot of them went down to, um, some of them went to um, Holloman Air Force Base. Some of them went over to um, um, Nellis Air Force Base. Some went to Plum Island. Okay. Now, by the 1960s, when I came there, I came in like 60, 61, I think. But when I got like old enough, um, I was told that I would be trained as a technician. And what had happened was not all those SS officers could be released. Some of them had to live on uh, the base uh, never, never did get released to the public. Some did. Most did, but some didn't. Now, because the, the nuclear test at out at Nellis Air Force Base, a lot of those technicians, German technicians, uh, they were losing their hair, losing their teeth. They had, um, I would say, radiation uh, damage to their skin. They, they were, you know, they they were starting to die, prematurely die. 
So I was trying to take the take the place of those tech of those technicians, and because I was German, um, your government, you know, looked at me like a war prize, and so um, that's how I became involved with with the aliens at Area Fifty One. But I but what happened was. Captain Oscar Snyder, um, he um, he was German as well, but he was drafted, or should I said, appropriated and put into the United States Navy um, during the war, or right at the end of the war, and he was tied in with the Philadelphia Experiment. Him and Valiant. Um, um, Thor was involved. And um, so what happened, um, he was, uh, Captain Snyder, when he went to, uh, when he get in his U-boat, um, he would, um, you know, go around the, uh, the Montauk and people report seeing that U-boat around there. That was his U-boat. And he would let me out, and um, you know I would come ashore by oyster oyster uh, pond. Bunker one twelve. And uh, but anyway, uh, I was I was taken in and and put with other boys down there. And it was kind of like, uh, like a, a reform school is where, you know, you have young, very young men that you don't, society uh, has, uh, uh, doesn't like, okay? And almost like a prison-like attitude. And it's, it's, it's like being locked up in a jail and um you know it's 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 like lord of the flies i mean you have to show who's the most dominant male down in those in, inside that bunker and i can remember having a struggle with another um another montauk boy i ended up stabbing him with a shank uh, up in his chest and um you know fight him off and so I became like the top guy. I mean, the the, the head of the, your your cell block is what I'm saying. Um, and and the Montauk boys, the the early ones, they were bred for war. They're very violent. And now, because uh, that's why a lot of them were sent off to Vietnam, and they were, and they and to be a time traveler, you know. Uh, it doesn't, you know, you would kill somebody. If somebody found out that you were a time traveler, you'd kill them. You know, you do whatever it takes to get the information you need. And I would go back in time or go forward in time. I would, you know, steal stuff, uh, military secrets, stuff like that. And, uh, or either monitor uh, that particular uh, timeline but i would always have to report back and tell 
uh, Jack Pewitt or whoever was down there, what was going on. So, so that's, that's the girls. They tried it with the girls, but because the radio waves were so the micro, their microwaves were so strong from the radar. Uh, the boys, uh, some boys could take it. Other boys couldn't, but none of the girls could take it. So the girls were basically brought back down to Brookhaven National Laboratories. And, uh, and when they did work all the bugs out, well, by that time, uh, Montauk was winding down. And, you know, they had much better electronics that didn't interfere with your, you know, your, your, your brain. So they did use the women, the females, but it's much lighter in the program when they're able to refine the electronics, James. Okay. Oh, wow. So many questions. Um, um, let's see here. We've got this one. Uh, was Hitler given plans for the nuclear bomb and refused to make one while the Americans were excited to get one? And they actually, the Japanese actually surrendered to uh, uh, to uh, the United States before they dropped the, not the nuclear bombs. So they just wanted some virgin targets. I mean, I'm laughing, but uh, what's what's uh, what's funny is just how um, we've been lied to. That's what's funny, not not yeah. But uh, yeah, can you comment about that really quick, Jimmy? First of all, Hitler did not want to fight the United States. He did not want to fight the United States. Now, the, the royal family in England, um, they're, they're reptilian, okay? And they're the ones, um, Earth is being terraformed right now. All right, you see your government right now is is on a witch hunt all right you see drugs in the streets you see all this homosexual stuff and transvestites and all that all right this is by no mistake and um so hitler wanted to kill the royal family because he knew they weren't human Okay, the United States was just dragged up in it by, by the British. Um, what happened was someone at Montauk did a time jump, went back in time, and altered the American Civil War. And had the South won the war, well, the South did win the war, but they went back and they altered the timeline where the South lost. And uh, this bogged down the United States. So the United States did not go to World War I, didn't have World War II. Those wars didn't happen. But because the timeline was changed in 1865, we did go to war, have War I and World War II. Okay, so these reptilians, you know, they're here to cause chaos. And when I think of white privilege, there's not a white 
there's not a Caucasian in North America that has white privilege. The real white, white privilege is the rural family in England. And they are the white privilege. And they go around, they stir all this mess up, they cause all these wars. And until the British people can break free, we're going to have this um, forever and ever. It, it's, it's a parasite. Um, is, does that answer some of your questions, John? Yes, thank you. All right. Uh, so see here. Um, let's go. Uh, here's some really good questions from uh, the audience. Um, let's see here. How about this one from Lee Ram? Al Balik destroyed the computers on board the Eldridge ship after they were told to do so by the 1980s military to send them back to do this. Is this why the ships was stuck in a time loop or returned then and now? What do you think, Jimmy? Al Balik did destroy the computers, but there was one glitch. When I got out of the spear that was lodged into the fort deck of the Eldridge, I left the computer on. So there, what's happening is because the spear is in a time traveling mode, it's stuck. Someone has to go back onto the Eldridge, go into the spear and dislodge it from the ship. And being that I'm the only one that can fly the craft, it would probably be me. Uh, this craft is, is extremely advanced. I did not even know how to fly it. When I first got in the flight chair, a beam came out of the computer monitor. It hit me in the face. And I, had, I went unconscious for a short period of time. I woke up. I had a little bit of blood coming out of my ear. Um, it's kind of like a learning device is the best way I can describe it. But I can telepathically fly the spear. Now, the Eldritch is true. Al Bilic did destroy the, um, the computers. And the ship did reappear, I want to say, August the 22nd, 1943, the men weren't on the ship. The men were, were gone. Okay. Um, but the ship is still teleporting. Now, in the 1980s, 1983, uh, Montauk or Camp Hero was reactivated. All right, closed in 1980. It was reactivated in 1983, but it wasn't reactivated reactivated by the Air Force. It was done by Brookhaven National Laboratories. Brookhaven National Laboratories had the technicians down the road from Camp Hero, and that we were using the Brookhaven uh, power from Brookhaven National Laboratories. They have a super collider underneath the ground 60 miles down the road from Camp Hero. Uh, so I'm, I'm aware I was there when it was reactivated and I did see the ship on the computer computer monitor and it's just like 
what you see in the movies, the ship teleporting through time and space. But you have to remember the the movie, the Philadelphia Experiment, is is not is not really a documentary. Some of it's true, but some of it is just made up. And they do that to protect people like me. Um, you know, it's kind of like a soft disclosure. That's that's the best way I can describe it. All right. That answers um, Jose's question, um, why they want to not let a movie be, be made. Um, um, I don't know if you, if you want to comment more about that, we can just move on. Um, so Claymore was mentioning that the, uh, there's still the, the uh, Sage radar towers are still being at use, but at lower power levels. And uh, they are actually the, the ones uh, in Montauk is um, welded shut. But uh, when the portal opens up, when the elders returns every 20 years, uh, yeah, the, uh, the, the Sage radar tower moves. So that's how you know the portal is opened. Oh, also, there's a Mandela effect, too. I think, Jimmy, we were actually discussing the, the Mandela effect. The, the realities are all switching. I don't know. If, do you want to, you want, how about I just go ahead and pause and if you want to comment, go ahead. Yeah, unmute. Um, question for Jimmy. Did E. Howard Hunt tell you the reason they assassinate JFK and because he wanted to give back the UFO Yelp steal. How did how did you know that was the reason they shot him? Well, first of all, Howard Hunt lived about 15 minutes from where I live. He lived uh, I grew up around his sons. Okay, Howard Hunt was my handler at one time. Uh, Jeff Kennedy did find out that we stole his flying saucer. He told uh, the CIA to give it back. And it wasn't the CIA that... Uh, the, the CIA couldn't give it back because, one, the military-industrial complex, it was in their hands at that time. And see, presidents come and go. Every four to eight years, they come and go. Uh, but we also had problems with uh, Russia and Cuba. And the military-industrial complex wanted that craft to study it. Now, um, Jeff K was going to give a speech when he was in Dallas, and he had wrote out the speech on a on a on a on a an envelope, from what I understand, or had an envelope with, with the speech in it, in which he was going to tell the public about the aliens, and. Um, the mayor of Dallas was the, the guy that was um, in the car with him, him and his wife, along with Jackie. Um, when, when Kennedy was shot, I was on the sixth floor 
Well, I was on the sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository, and there was two men in there. It was Lee Harvey Oswald, and there was a guy, David Morals was up there. David Morals is who fired the kill shot. And David Morals had uh, an invisibility pack. You, you put it over your shoulder, you flip the switch, you can't see them. And when I came down the stairs, the policeman came right past me. See, nobody pays attention to a child. Nobody pays attention to a child. They're looking for the gunman. And, um, but Lee never did kill President Kennedy. He fired blanks is what he fired. And Lee is, is a true hero. He loved his country. He knew that the future would be messed up. Like, and you're starting to see it right now that we, you have a government that's out of control, James. And uh, Lee Harvey Oswald wanted a republic. We don't have a republic right now. I uh, does that does that help answer the question that's for me? Uh, yeah. So um, basically, the aliens is what gave the order because uh, JFK um, he was going to tell the public about aliens and uh, yeah. So that letter that was uh, that he was going to read to the public um, was uh, I guess you said the governor had it and he put it in his uh, safe. Uh, so when he died, that that I guess that's in his estate still, and it hasn't really been released to the public what his message was going to be that day. But um, I'm hoping maybe the so-called um, I don't know if I can say uh, we'll say it's 17, right? So we can't say the letter um, uh, went back in time with uh, you know the uh, marvelous adventures book. Uh, supposedly they went back in time maybe they made a clone of them and uh kennedy's with uh, the galactic federation now <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i really that might be a stretch but you never know so um yeah someone was saying yeah <laughs> was gf8 clone is he still alive <laughs> um anyway so all right uh let's i guess we can go ahead and move on here um so let's see here i got some more questions uh um we have is al balik still in the future Maybe he uh, supposedly, you know, he died. What was it like? Two thousand eight? I think he died. Uh, you want to comment about that? Uh, yeah, well, I want to comment on some other questions because I think when people ask a question, they need to be heard. Um, one of the prior questions was, "Was Jeff Kennedy a clone?" Um, I do know they've cloned a couple of the presidents. Um, I don't know if Jeff Kennedy was a clone, but um, I do know that they clone presidents. There's been a couple of them have been cloned. Um, now, is Al Billick still in the future? He figured it out. Al is dead right now. Um, when your body you're a biological unit uh and when you die you die we're we're basically um we have we, other words we can go into the future and we can go into the past but once our body dies we become a, a form of energy like an orb okay 
Um, what other questions, James? All right. Let's go into some of the ones that I had. Um, let's going, going back into uh, uh, the Montauk project. Um, so the Montauk project was under Project Phoenix, and that's also what the Philadelphia ex experiment was under. Um, but uh, we also know that so Montauk 1.0 uh, ended in uh, August of 1983 when Junior destroyed the facility. Um, so we could, you know, before we actually discuss Junior, maybe you can discuss, maybe tell us why, for instance, why did some of why did so many children die at Montauk? Um, uh, what, you know, how did they go missing? And then maybe you could go into the operator chair and how, yeah. So let's just, yeah, let's go into the nitty gritty there at the, on the Montauk project. Um, I want to, uh, there's a question up why some of the children would die at Montauk. Well, first of all, um, it goes back to paperclip. We were expendable. Okay. It was experimental. The, the radio waves, like I said, the microwaves drew, uh, made a lot of the men on Eldridge insane. It messed a lot of them up. Um, and when, and when you're tied in with paperclip, um, if I, if I went public, people would be shocked and I would never be able to work anywhere. I'd be treated, uh, like a war criminal. And, um, but I would rather live as a war criminal than to live another day under this society and this government. I do not believe in the United States government. Um, I believe in the SS. And I believe that Germany had a just cause. And you see how they treat Hitler. Well, they're treating uh, your Mr. T, um, you know, uh, just like that right now, you know. So uh, you can make an enemy out of anybody, but Hitler did not want to attack the United States. He was dragged into it. And um, But a lot of the boys that, that were killed, once those experiments were over, they would, they would kill them. Um, with me, uh, I had such high-level intelligence, and um, I was in and out of Montauk. I was also working under the uh, the extraterrestrials at Area 51. So I'm, I'm thinking possibly the tall whites were shielding me. I, I don't really know. Um, it could be because I can fly different types of craft. I mean there's hardly any spacecraft that I can't fly. I can pilot it. And I believe that's the skills behind that is what kept me alive, James. Yeah. So Jimmy would, uh, they, they needed a child to operate some of these grays, uh, craft because the grays are a lot smaller, um, than we are. But, um, yeah, so maybe we can go into, we went into a little bit about the, uh, so a lot of the children would die. Some of them would go missing through the time tunnels. So, and a child would be placed onto the Montauk chair, um, and then they would be instructed to visualize 
a, a place in time. And then a, a portal would open up and uh, the child would be sent, another, I guess you could say guinea pig uh, child would be sent through the time portal to, gra- to grab intel or whatnot. And then um, they would be brought back. Um, ideally, the tunnel would have to stay open the entire time. So sometimes the child on the on operator on the chair would get distracted. And uh, yeah, but um, and also the uh, time portals connect not just through time, but other alternate realities. Uh, we had one lady come on here. She said she went through a portal and they went to some Saturn, a, a, a Saturn layer, layer, what the Saturns, the uh, like goat men or whatever. And they said they were mischievous people. Um, but uh, anyway, so um, we can maybe can uh, we talk, talk a little bit more about that. And also I wanted you to go into this uh, is uh, Colonel uh, John Alexander, uh, Jack Pruitt at Montauk. And uh, what I'll do is I'll share my screen. Because, uh, yeah, this is, uh, I think Joseph Powell mentioned this one. So this guy here, you've probably seen him on various UFO shows. So what do you think about that, uh, Jimmy? Um, I don't, I, I don't, I don't recognize him. Um, I don't know if, if he's making that claim or not, but. Uh, Lieutenant Alexander Cameron and Jack Pewitt are two different people. I knew Jack Pewitt. Um, he was a station manager. Um, Lieutenant Alexander Cameron, um, he, he, like I said, uh, I've been to his house, Lieutenant Alexander Cameron, um, I've even walked around in 1940, uh, 1942, 1943. I've been all timelines. So, um, you know, I I mean, I'm just one of those kind of guys that it doesn't matter what timeline you drop me into, I'll I'll adjust to it. Uh, Now, there's a question up. Describe how to operate the Montauk chair and can anyone run it? All right. Well, nobody can, only specialized people can run the machine. I'll run it before. Uh, You have to be careful because you can dose somebody with a lot of voltage um, radio waves and and cause damage. Um, The Montauk chair was taken out of a spacecraft. There's two of them. Uh, One was at Camp Hero. And other ones at the Travistock Institute in in uh, in England. Uh, that's where the British uh, royal family uh, sends uh, their prime ministers and and uh, certain people in the in the military. They 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 go there. They get brainwashed uh, before they even meet the queen. So that's how the queen's able to stay in power. At any time a U.S. government official uh, goes to, to England, um, and I don't care if it's even a president, he's probably going to end up in the chair at Travistock Institute. Um, the, the chair, basically, if you watch the movie Total Recall, the chair looks similar to it. It's not the exact chair, but it, it looks similar to it. 
And uh, the movie Total Recall that Arnold Schwarzenegger stars in, um, there's some truth behind that as well. I've, I've been to, uh, to Mars and, uh, and, and, you know, when you, when you, when you go through that, it, it scrambles your, your, um, it gives you temporary amnesia for, for just a short period. Um, That's that's the best that I can can describe the um, the Montauk chair. Right. Wow. I didn't know that. So the Tavis Tavistock Institute in the, the UK um, were they also running their own uh, time travel experiments as well, similar to Montauk, because this has actually come up with some uh, some memories that I had. Um, I was sent back in time to meet George Washington and. Um, the Americans were arranging, trying to arrange things for the Americans. So, but basically, all the timeline showed that the uh, the United the England lost its colony. So, um, what the the UK uh, England was trying to do is sending people back in time to arrange things that are more favorable uh, at the negotiation cha- uh, um, table. But uh, ultimately, can you comment about that? Uh, where they did the the British royal family, whatever it is, yeah, send people back in time. To try to change the timelines to benefit them too. What do you think, Jimmy? Well, first of all, you're 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 very correct. Uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Merkel should not be in the United States. It's it's real dangerous to have these this these British couple here in the United States. And um, and it's real dangerous to have British troops at Nellis Air Force Base. If they need a place to train, Australia, the uh, Pine Gap, all that's desert. Okay, so uh, by law the CIA cannot spy on you, but the British Secret Service can spy on you. So we have British officers that are doing the spying at, at camp uh, at, uh, at Nellis Air Force Base. Um, a lot of the uh, you know what, what's going on with the royal family is this King Charles is not all human. He's part reptilian. And um, they they've they're not when they when they abduct somebody, they they you know they've been up in Canada abducting school children. They uh, uh um you know they've been abducting little American children, and when you have children coming across the border undocumented, that's like giving the reptilians a, a free meal. There's no telling how many illegal aliens has been snatched up and brought down into these bases as a food source. Um, now I'm reading another question from Barbara Lynn. She says, James, does Jimmy know who the person was when they walked by during Charles's coronation? Um, f- 
for, I didn't watch all the coronation. Now, I, what I did do was watch when they had the funeral, um, Queen Elizabeth's funeral. And if you noticed, when they buried the queen, instead of having six pallbearers, they had eight pallbearers. And you also notice the coffin was much, much larger than a regular coffin. And they do that because they shapeshift when they die. You notice they don't have an open coffin where you can look at the queen. See, there's four on each side. Look how long that coffin is. So that little woman, she's probably like five foot two, probably weighs about 100 pounds, maybe not that much. And those men are straining to get her just to carry her. And look at all the, the, the symbols on that cloth. It's nothing but dragons. Why wouldn't they put a British flag over that coffin? Because it's not a British subject that's in that coffin. What it is, is a reptilian. Why would they put that instead of a British Union Jack flag over that coffin? She's reptilian. And I've been around her, me and Eric Zoner have been around her when she shapeshifted. So what's in the coffin? Uh, repeat your question. Oh, oh. So if we were to open up, pop open that coffin, will we see like a reptilian uh, in there probably? Or maybe a real lizard pop jump out. What do, what do you what do you think? Reptilian. You would see a hideous reptilian. Um, she sheds her skin like a snake. And uh, what she what was keeping her alive was adrenochrome. They take a young child. They they frighten the child. Uh, up to get their adrenaline going and then they brutally murder the child and they take that blood and they and they drink it and that's how they live so long oh wow wow okay so let's go on here next question um um so we have this one here uh do you know anything about the reptilian anunnaki invasion happening in 2025 and uh, according to Al Balik, he said some alien invasion, but never gave a date. So, what, what do you do? You know anything about this? Uh, maybe it's a false flag that they uh, like. I think Randy Kramer talks about in the future. They want to, uh, yeah. The the next step step is <laughs> the false flag alien invasion to wake the people up. Um, first of all, I did a time jump to um, over in Switzerland at the CERN uh, heavy collider over there. I, there was an accident at the, um, the underground laboratory. And when I got there, when I time jumped and went down uh, out by the control room, and there's blood everywhere, all over the walls, it's on the floor. 
there's nobody that can be found. There's just blood everywhere. I'm talking about even on the ceilings of, of CERN. It's all over the pipes. So something came out and it grabbed all the people, it grabbed all the scientists and technicians, and it just it, it, tore, it tore them to pieces. I, and then it dragged the bodies back into, I believe, the, 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 uh, the portal. Something came out of the portal and, and killed all the scientists. And when I was in the control rooms, I was seeing lightning coming out of the, of the, of the, uh, the collider. Or I would say uh, it was arcing electricity, sort of like a Tesla coil. It was arcing. And I get, was able to get in there and hit the power down button. There's a button you can hit with your hand or with your with your palm and and kill all the power to the um to the to the control in the control room i i don't know what happened to the scientist but i think that they um what they were doing is that they opened up a portal and something came through james something something it it was not it was not human is all i can tell you okay so my understanding uh cern was a project to allow the cabal to escape um there was uh, i guess they had all these plans they looked into the future and uh they saw like maybe say like a one out of four billion chance that they would lose so that one out that one chance they decided they wanted to have backup plans and CERN was supposed to open out portals and they can escape. But the problem is the portal, at least my understanding, the portal was so tiny, all they could do is just send information back and forth through time to get um I yeah. But uh yeah, so I guess maybe in the future they finally figure out how to open up the portal so something can come through it other than just uh electronic signals and so on. Um but uh yeah, so can you um talk about uh uh, project uh, is CERN under uh, Project Phoenix, and also in the future, do they try to jump fix it again? I guess because uh, because apparently this happened. This has happened before. Um, if you if you looked in the um, into the history about CERN, it was shut down for a couple years, and I I don't know what the official response was, but apparently something did come through a portal and shut that place down, and then they rebuilt it out. Now they're trying to do it again. So, Jimmy, um, comment about is CERN under Project Phoenix, and uh, yeah. Um, anyway, go ahead. Well, first of all, Project Phoenix, that involves Montauk. CERN is not tied in with Montauk. Okay. Now, um, as far as escaping, they don't need that. They don't need CERN to escape. There's, there's, um, there's other gates uh, that they can they can use. You don't need that much power to teleport. Now, going back to um, to CERN itself, um, if you've noticed right there, see that see that symbol. All right, 
but they're they're looking for an anti-god. They're looking for uh, extraterrestrials. All right, that's what they believe in. All these scientists, and right before they cut the power on, they did a they did a a strange dance. They did a a, a sort of like a a cult uh, thing, a uh, 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 witchcraft. Uh, oh. Oh, I see. Okay, you, oh, it's my turn to talk. Okay, uh, sorry for the awkwardness here. Okay, so let's go ahead and let's. Uh, so we can now let's move on to we can discuss about uh, maybe the Montauk monster. Um, so ultimate. Oh, you know what? Actually, no. Before we get to that, this one here uh, is Preston Nichols, a bad person. And why don't you explain who that is for people who don't know? And then we'll go into how the Montauk project, yeah, how it came to an end. Yeah, you're still muted. Hit the unmute button, Jimmy. Uh, can you hear me okay. now? I'm sorry. Excuse me. Uh, first of all, I've been knowing Preston for many years. Uh, I knew Preston prior to him going to electronic school. Um, Preston was under mind control. Him and Al Bielek had a, had a, had a fallout because Preston... Um, was doing some things with the Montauk boys that Al Billick did not like. Um, I find it troublesome uh, because I was not there all the time. I was back and forth between Camp Hero and and uh, a Creech Air Force Base. That that's really. That's part of Nellis Air Force Base. So apparently the two men had a fallen out. And but I do know that some of the children down at Brookhaven, they were taking those children, the technicians were, and they was bringing them down to Camp Hero to camp in the park. And they were doing some things with the children that was disgusting. So I can't, I don't know what, what, it, what Al Bigler was doing or, or, or I don't know the full scope of it, but it was very serious. And I believe Al, Al did the right thing and, you know, breaking up with Preston and not doing any more talk shows with him. Um, now Preston did, was transferred from Brookhaven to Montauk. And uh, or vice versa. Uh, I think he started out at at Montauk, and then when the test tubes became obsolete, and we you know they're going from test tubes to transistors, and then from transistors to microchips. All right, by the time the computers came around, there was no need for Preston at Camp Hero, so he transferred to. Brookhaven, he worked for defense, uh, diamond defense uh, electronics is who he worked for. And he stayed up at office at Brookhaven. And then he would travel back down to Montauk 
to run wire and 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 video cables and all that. Okay, so we're um, so uh, so at this point, uh, Junior destroys. Um, we've already gone in. It's like such old news. I think we can just move on from Junior. That was in August, I think, twelfth, right? August twelfth, nineteen eighty three. Oh, go ahead. You want to say something? Oh no. Okay. Okay. Well, all right. So then, uh, so now let's go over to Brookhaven. Um, so this, I guess, starts up, and I guess. 1983 i'm not sure but you can see right here there's a super collider um out here in long island so that's they need i guess they wanted to open up the portals so these children were were um the montauk boys were shifted over there to brookhaven and that's where jimmy and i we've had these discussions in private about uh that's where he thinks i was participating in montauk 2.0 and that's actually come up uh, multiple times multiple readings in the past and i even go back if you look in my early videos, I even talk about being part of Montauk 2.0, but um, there's such a, like a, almost no information about it on the internet. Uh, it's uh, yeah. So maybe Jimmy, what can you tell us about Montauk 2.0 and how were, were the kids treated better? Because I mean, they've already developed the MK ultra techniques under the project paperclip Nazi scientists. Right. So, so they didn't really need to torture and brainwash the, I mean, just abuse the children anymore. I'm guessing it was all like a science. So what, what, what do you know about it? Well, first off, um, everything at Camp Heroes antiquated. Okay, you're going from test tubes to we're, we're talking two separate facilities here. Brookhaven has micro microchips. They're powered by a nuclear reactor. Um, they, um, it's a modern facility. Okay. It has modern play. It has, it has apartments where the scientists can live at on, on, on that base. Camp Hero was basically just an air force base with barracks. Okay. Um, a lot of those barracks were in run was run down, um, and there and you know you didn't have, um, you didn't have the comforts that you have at Brookhaven. So the girls, the females, you know they they more or less stay down in that area there, and you have to remember, uh, when Montauk was shut down, um. Everything by that time was being uh, upgraded to, to computers. So that's where Brookhaven comes in. Uh, you don't need a gigantic antenna like you had at, at Camp Hero. You can do it um, with a regular cell tower if, if you had to. Okay. Uh, you can also send the signal out by satellite. So you don't really need the big antenna. And um, does that answer some of your questions? But 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 you have to remember, you do you don't have the past that I do. I, I'm directly paperclip. 
you don't have any of that any any of that in your background and a lot of these other people that are claiming this don't have that in their background i'm i'm reading a message here that says what companies benefited from Brookhaven's time travel programs that is that is a very broad question you can see the hardware before you so every computer who built the, the computers, who built the, the, the wiring system, uh, who built the buildings, the scientists, they benefited, the universities, that uh, MIT, uh, all, all those universities, Cambridge, all those universities had professors. There, there, I mean, there's, there's professors from around the world. You, you have professors near every country in the world working down there uh, you're looking at hundreds of millions of dollars just to keep that facility running during you know during the year that 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 encompasses a great bit of the military budget okay uh did um so i guess they would send people back in time uh to make sure certain companies and large corporations maybe certain people family bloodlines would uh, maintain their power meanwhile the original bloodline that was working with saint germain the pacer bloodline all their money was stripped away and all that all that money was sent over to brock um uh, blackrock and uh, vanguard and these are these are basically predatory corporations that uh, they have programs even off-world where they can, yeah, I don't even go into all this, but um, essentially, yeah, so uh, we've been messed with using time travel in a negative way, so um, I guess we can maybe explain. So we already know about these multiple programs. How about, it, how, how about this? Could you answer this question? Um, so, uh, so we know about Montauk 1.0 and Montauk 2.0, but how many other sub-projects do you think there are, to, and also the Philadelphia Experiment? What do you think, Jimmy, on this question? Well, you have to remember this went on from 1943 to 1983, and it's still going on now. So, you know, you have Project Rainbow, Project Rainbow, Project Phoenix. You have Pegasus, you know, you, you, I mean, it's over a half a dozen or more programs. Um, there, I mean, there, there's a lot. It didn't, it, see, when one program would end, then they'll come back and say, well, let's do another program, you know, because different scientists or different physicists had different, had different agendas. Okay. Um, I hope it answers some of your problems, your, your answers, I mean. But now you don't even need nothing that big. You, they got they got it packed down now where you can, you know, if you looked at the, the John Titter files, and I worked with John Titter, uh, Titter, Titter, whatever you want to call his name, different slangs, people pronounce it differently. Um, he was a one of the guys I worked with, a Cosmos girl, Arizona Wilder Watch, 
interview with David Icke. I know Arizona. That's not a real name, but I know Arizona. I've worked with her. She's a good woman. I've, uh, in fact, she was on the Nostromo spacecraft with me. Uh, and I know David Icke. I've been knowing David Icke since he was 17 years old. Uh, but uh, what was your question again for Oh, I got interrupted there, James. I don't even remember. Maybe you just we can go quickly into David Icke. Uh, is he like? Uh, so I, I guess he's going out there exposing the the reptilians and the uh, royal family. Um, so I guess uh, do you think like the queen is really upset at what happened with what David Icke did, or or is it maybe they're just I don't know they they like the notoriety they're getting from David Icke. What can you tell us about David Icke? Well, he's under mind control. Um, the phone can ring. He can pick it up. It sounds like a, a fax machine. Uh, he'll go into one of his um, uh, multiple personality disorders. And then once they get the information out of him, there'll be another ring on the phone similar to a fax uh coming out of the, the 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 ear the earpiece of it and then he'll he'll say oh you have the wrong number he wouldn't he won't even realize it he's that far under uh mind control now is david ike a good person yes he's he's type of guy that if you're going down the road and you know you have a flat or something i think he would pull over change your tire you know help you out <clears throat> but he's unaware of of how deep a mind control he's under. Um, and him and Arizona Wilder, um, he used Arizona Wilder, um, which is really sad. I really like Arizona. Uh, why did the queen like Arizona Wilder so much? Well, first of all, I've been known Arizona since, um, and that's not a real name. That's the name she goes by uh tampon i'll explain that also um she the queen liked her because she arizona is in the healthcare field um she cares for people who are frail and the queen liked that and when arizona would have go on her period she would have to take her tampons and put them in a jar like a mason jar and she would bring bring it to the queen of england and i've actually seen the queen of england open up that mason jar glass mason jar and pull the tampon out by the string and dip it in some glass a glass full of ice water like you would take a tea bag and dip it into iced tea and dangle it in iced tea. And then she would drink the the water with the blood with the bloody tampon in it. And the menstrual blood is they like these reptilians like that. It's like an energy drink. It's like a refresh drink. But Arizona Wilder, everything that she said has been true and she has been treated very very bad and uh she is she's she did not want to do the things that that 
the Aurora family wanted. She was just an innocent person caught up. That's her to the top right there. She she dyed her hair red. Um, she she had a nervous breakdown when she was on the Nostromo spacecraft when I took the the xenomorph, the alien in. And um, when they took her off, they had brought her to Nellis Air Force Base and she was drawing out pictures of the creatures on the um, the notebook. Um, but she's a very good person and it's just real sad how David Icke used her. Okay, well, let's see here. I guess we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, so let, what I'll do is I'll quickly go to some of these comments. And um, yeah, so we have, um, so let's see here. Andrew Basaggio went back to see George Washington. Um, Barry, so thank you. Uh, Jimmy Payne said he went back in time to uh, meet uh, Lincoln, actually. And uh, I think you were there in the Ford Theater witnessing um just here john wilkes booth so i think uh, that what they did at montauk is they went back in time and tried to stop it and it turns out that his um his wife ended up killing him instead because uh she caught him in the act of a little boy uh, so i don't know I, I think we can move on to that one so let's see here we've got uh without tavistock there would have been no world war one no bolshevik revolution no world war ii and the west would not be hurting headlong into dissolution and collapse okay tavistock is in partnership with stanford research institute sri and also we've got uh, another message uh, social media is run by the stanford institute grads so there you have it right there social media and uh, another comment about Max Spears was sent to, uh, yeah, he was, says he's bouncing forth, back and, back and forth from Tavistock and SRI. And uh, I think Max might have been also at Montauk 2.0 at Brookhaven with me. But um, let's see here, I guess. How about I just stop here? Uh, you want to comment about any of that, Jimmy? Yeah, I'll put the first question back up because we went through them real quick. Can you go back to the first question that was on the screen? Oh, I don't even know if I... Andrew. I don't think I have it anymore. Oh, okay. Go ahead, Mike. Kill your mic. Um, first of all, I know Andrew. I've been knowing Andrew since he was just a, uh, a young teenager. Um, I liked Andrew, but Andrew has some problems. Um, now, Andrew was not part of montauk he is he now he he's telling the truth about the time travel he has gone to uh we have we have different stargates and he did do the time jump he did meet president lincoln um but what i'm going to say is is this um, I've time jumped and gone back to the Civil War. And what happened was Abraham Lincoln was bisexual. And, and, it, and it's well documented that Lincoln would sleep in a bed with another man. See, back then, when they traveled, um, they didn't have hotels. 
So, but what Lincoln did was he was, Mary Lincoln walked in on him and his Lincoln's guard was a 19 year old uh, soldier and they, and Mrs. Lincoln caught him in the act. And, you know, that's why Mrs. Lincoln went insane. She, she had mental health problems. You know, she couldn't accept that her, her husband, the president was, was bisexual. Now, Lincoln, when I was at Camp Hero, I witnessed the Gettysburg Address being wrote out at Camp Hero. And I'm not sure which Montauk boy did it. I didn't do it. But then again, it could have been could could have been handed off to Andrew. But I believe it was handed off to one of the Montauk boys. But they went back in time. They gave the speech to one of the officers who was guarding um, Lincoln, and Lincoln wrote Lincoln read at the Gettysburg Address. Okay, so what happened was when when we found out that the timeline was changed. Um, there was interference going on. There's other time jumpers involved in it. Um, but I was working with John Wilkes Booth. And John Wilkes Booth, he, I mean, he knew that Lincoln was gay. But what happened was at the Ford Theater, John Wilkes Booth shot the president and he jumped out of the balcony onto the, um, to the floor of the, the stage. Now I was working that night as, as a stage boy, you know, you pull the curtains back, you know, what have you, um, or up or whatever they, you know, whatever the ropes, you know, whichever the way the, the ropes pulled at that night. <clears throat> but what happened was when John Wilkes jumped out of the balcony, hit his foot on the, the the, the the stage he he cracked his ankle and he made a short speech he 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 something about shakespeare he read it off and then he ran he hopped out the back door got onto a horse and rode off and during the confusion you know i'm just a stage boy and i follow the people out of the um uh during during the confusion i just followed the people out of the theater, you know. Uh, but I ended up, when I got back to Montauk, uh, I was given some pain medicine and was put back into the time tunnel. And I met back up with John Wilkes Booth because I knew where he was going. And I gave him some painkillers to, you know, kill the pain in his ankle. And we went to Dr. Mudd's house and Dr. Mudd, you know, looked at him, put his leg into a, um, you know, that binded his leg and everything. And we went out into the barn. Well, we had also killed a redheaded union officer on our way there that night. 
So we took the body out off the back of the horse and laid it into the barn. And when the Union soldiers showed up, um, you know, they surrounded the barn and they threw a ladder in there. And when they did that, the barn caught on fire. And I was able to kick off the back panel a wood beam out of the back of the barn and me and John Wilkes Booth escaped. And the one that burned up in the barn was the redheaded soldier. And when they pulled the dead body out of the barn, one of the guards said, well, John Wilkes Booth doesn't have red hair, but they ignored it. And they said, well, John Wilkes Booth, you know, was shot in the barn and his body was recovered and and it was a closed case. Um, John Wilkes Booth um, came for a while and and, um, he lived in Mississippi for a while and then went back up um, to Tennessee, I believe. He's buried up in Tennessee in in, in in a grave up there. Um, not, uh, it's either Tennessee or Alabama. I have to relook at my notes, but um, but he but he didn't die uh, in the barn. If you were to re- exhume the body and do a DNA test, then you would see that um, the corpse is not John Wilkes Booth. The DNA doesn't match. Oh wow! Thank you. All right, so let's go through this. Uh, we're going to have to – someone commented as uh, apparently Arizona Wilder is no longer with us. I don't know if you have any information on that. Um, I also have another question. I don't know. Are we in a simulation? What do you think about that in Arizona? Well, well first of all, if, if Arizona is dead, I'm very sad. Uh, I consider her to be – a very good friend and I'm I'm just heartbroken to hear that tonight. I hope it's I hope it's not true. Now I do know I talked to her husband. Her husband died of liver cancer. Um he was up in Quebec. I gave him a call and talked to him uh briefly and um her, you know I never did get to um to talk to Arizona um but I haven't heard from her hadn't heard anything um about her if anybody's out there tonight listening to this um please do your research and find out if she's alive or dead and if she's dead I want to know where she's at because I want to go put some flowers on a grave I consider her to be a good woman uh, now, the second question is about assimilation. I'm seeing that on the screen here. Um, I don't think we're living in, a, in assimilation. I, I do think that these reptilians are using a hologram to conceal themselves. Um I, I do believe that if you you watch the movie, they sleep um, with Randy Piper in it. 
Uh, that's very true. I've worn those sunglasses. Uh, I've seen creatures walk among us. Um, in fact, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald's rifle scope is had the same type of lenses in it that the sunglasses had in that movie. And when I looked through Lee Harvey Oswald's scope, I saw uh, entities um, very near the car around him. So the simulation part, uh, yes, there are things that we can't see, but reptilians can see. We can only see certain uh, light colors. Any comment about that? What happened to the people that were in the Eldridge embedded into the hole? Uh, well, one of them had to have his wrist, uh, amp was hand amputated by his wrist. His, his hand was in the wall. Uh, Captain Snyder was able to, to amputate, to amputate it. They couldn't get his hand out of the metal. Now, the other three three or four guys that were stuck into the steel um, the ship the ship went teleported again it was unstable okay now what is going to happen it's going to go about 800 years into the future to 27 to the year 2700 and something. And the men all die that are left on the ship. Um, the only way to get them off the ship is to do a time jump prior to the accident and remove the men from the ship prior to the experiment. And the only way to do that, I would have to go to... Area 51, I would have to solicit one of our visitors, one of our extraterrestrials, and cut a deal with them. And if the men were to be taken off, they would have to be brought to a hospital. They would have to be given IVs like I was given and kept in ICU for, you know, for a while. But they would never, they can never return to their families. They had to be, you know, given, you know, be given new names and new identities. And they have to start their life over like I did. Okay. Uh, yeah, we're, I want to, we really need to get close to the end here. Um, we could either, you want to discuss about the, what's going on at Plum Island and also maybe the Lake, Lake Montauk monster? Not not the uh, Montauk monster, but the Lake Montauk monster. Okay, the, uh, what is going on at Plum Island? Well, Plum Island is a biological warfare lab. Um, the Lyme disease was invented there, uh, and so was. Uh, other diseases, um, cattle, uh, diseases that cattle have. Um, 
I did a little work at Plum Island, but not enough to to say that I worked there. I just went there and did a little lab work for a few days. Um, that was to learn how to handle biological uh, weapons, um, you know, how not to get sick kind of a deal, how to handle the, the biological weapons. Um, now, getting back to the Montauk uh, creature, <clears throat> all right, we've talked about Bigfoot. That's my creature or junior. Well, there's another creature. Um, has anybody ever watched or the movie Amityville Horror? Well, that's based on a true story. Some things are, it's not a documentary, but some things are true about, about that movie. Now, we had a, a Montauk boy. His name was Ronald Defoe, but he went by the name Butch Defoe. Now, Ronald Defoe, he, he died, but what happened was, he went, his father and his mother, he had two brothers and two sisters. And he took a 35 Marlin rifle and he shot them in, in their bed. And he claimed that he heard voices in the house. Now, what that was, was we had a Montauk boy that had a, a flashback. And the Montauk boys, as, as I said earlier, they're bred for violence, okay? But this one was just simply, um, it just got out of hand. And, um, but he murdered his family. And so the movie Amityville Horror is based on Donald Defoe, Defoe Ronald Defoe, excuse me, correct correction there. Ronald Defoe, and Ronald Defoe died just recently in prison. But what happened was, Butch stated, Donald's, uh, Ronald stated that there was a creature that he saw outside the bedroom window, and the Lux's family that bought the house claimed they, they saw a creature looking in the window. Now, Mr. Lux was into witchcraft. Uh, uh, he, was, he, he was into black magic, witchcraft stuff. And the Lux's home at 108 Ocean Avenue in Amityville uh, did not have a basement, popular to the movie there. Mr. Lux would hide his uh, witchcraft stuff under the under a stairs, and it had a red wall to it. So that's how the the movie got started up about the whale. It wasn't ever a whale there. He just hid his witchcraft stuff underneath the uh, the stairs. And uh, but what happened when I? I had went to retrieve some stuff out of um, Lake Montauk. We had had a couple of our Montauk boys have drowned in that lake. And one of them had a watch that 
they needed to get back at Camp Hero. So I went into uh, Lake Montauk and found the watch. And as I was coming back up, something grabbed me by both of my ankles. I could feel hands grabbing my ankles. And it pulled me under the water. It was trying to drown me. And I was just, by luck, one of the guys that was on shore had a, a hook. And I was able to grab a hold of it. And he was able to pull me out uh, with a pike pole. Um, but there's something in the water. Uh, it's using the water down there. Yes, I see a, a, a question. Jaws movie set. Correct. Jaws was filmed in that lake. Um, but that lake is just a few miles from Camp Hero. Um, so there is another creature that is using the waterways um, between Butch Defoe's old home and uh, and uh, Camp Hero. is using the waterways. And I think Jessica Jones uh, had a guy on her show not long ago was showing a picture. I, I don't know. I haven't seen the picture up close. Um, but uh, maybe they can come forward with a little more information on uh, this entity that is in the water. Okay, so yeah, um, the vice is even if you were, say, in one of these sub projects, not Montauk 1.0, do not go into like Montauk. There's a creature there because uh, they are, yes. Yeah. So a lot of us, even though we're these other projects, they would have sent us back in time to Montauk 1.0 and uh, utilize us, yes, in that regard. So we're really all, anybody, I'm guessing maybe most people in Project Phoenix were original uh, at Montauk 1.0 because of the time travel aspect. Okay, so let's see here. I really want to kind of wrap this up. We're really going over time here, but uh, maybe you can answer this question real quick. And then also uh, the alien. I guess we're talking about the uh, the Atlantean. And then you can go into this one afterward. Are you going to Montauk? Because uh, I put on a tour um, that's coming up uh, actually next week. So, uh, and we'll, that's the last question. So go ahead, Jimmy. Um. I'm looking at a question that says he followed the alien. Why didn't he get the virus? Well, that's a good question. Um, maybe I'm immune to it. Um, I've been around different aliens since um, as a young child. Um, they modified me. I am uh, a clone and my body has been modified. A lot of the Montauk boys, they were modified as well, gen genetic, genetically modified. Um, so I probably have some type of immunity. Now, what, what killed those Russian soldiers, uh, they all came down for real high fever. Within a few hours, they were, the whole base was dead. Um, I'm sure that there's probably a Russian is monitoring this tonight. Um, I'm sure that they'll be wanting uh, 
to know more, but they never should have uh, pissed the alien off. Is I, you know, um, now the other question was, what was the second question after that? This one here. Okay, hold on. Lisa. Um, I'm mixed on that going back to Montauk. Uh, first of all, I would want, I would not want for James or, or another researcher to be abducted. And being around me at Montauk is, uh, it would be very dangerous. And there's also the, the, the issue uh, that if my Bigfoot became unfroze, I'm not sure I can um, be able to control it. He, he, he would tear, probably tear James to pieces. Kind of like, like you have a dog and then you bring your friend up and your dog doesn't like your friend kind of a deal. So I would be I would be leery about that. Then again, it would be my luck that some men in black would show up and put me in a van and carry me off. Um, the only way to really tell who we are is that I stick my arm under um, a, a scanner, kind of like you do like at a grocery store but there's a special scanner and I'm, I have a barcode on my arm. Um, so it would not be wise uh, for me to return to Montauk. Um, I would have to go first to, um, to area 51 and they would probably, you know, escort me back. Um, it, it wouldn't be a good idea to, to bring you along, James, it you, you'd be abducted. Oh wow! Okay, thank you for sharing. So that's it for questions. We're we're way over time, um, so let's go ahead and wrap it up. Um, so um, yeah, the so we're so the the, the event of my, the tour that's coming up is uh, between the ninth to the sixteenth and. Um, I know there was some discussion that perhaps it might even be all the way up to the 22nd because of the loop, leap year. So, um, yeah, well, maybe we can uh, set up some cameras. And so even if we're not there, we can still monitor the location. But, um, yeah, uh, so if you want to contact Jimmy, um, you can just send me a, a, an email over at supersoldertalk at gmail.com, and we can get that over to him. If you have, um, if you'd like to learn more about the work I do, you can get a copy of my book. Over at Neological Tech, there's a link there. You can also get yourself a meditation cube to help you relax. And um, yeah, so my website was down uh, this past week. It's the first time it's ever been, like the whole database was deleted. So um, I'm thinking maybe something in my last video <laughs> on the brothels might have triggered somebody who didn't like that one, <laughs> even though it wasn't even, I didn't even post on the website yet. But uh, yeah, there's a link on, if you go to Super Solar Talk, there's a list of people under the MyLab Recovery Network that can help you to get some of your memories back or do some regression work um, as well. So uh, I think that's about it. That's uh, Jimmy, you want to, you want to throw any last, um, last plug in there. Anything else you want to mention? Yeah, I think 
the question came up about Arizona Wilder had died. Um, I really like that person to try to find out a little more about it and, you know, to contact James and try to tell, tell him, you know, where, where she's at. Cause I like to go put some flowers on her grave. Um, I consider her a, a friend and, um, you know, that's all that I want to say. And I, I appreciate people listening tonight. Um, I have just one request is none of y'all try to sneak into area 51 or, or anything like that. Um, when they put the signs up, they say nobody is allowed beyond this point. You, you need to respect the signs and respect the extraterrestrials out there. Um, they don't want to get sick and you don't want to get sick either. And there, there are ways to communicate with them and, but it's best not to try to show up and, um, and, and make contact with them directly. Oh, wow. So let's get, let me, sorry, get this off. Cosmic Earth, thank you. Okay. Uh, yeah. So maybe I'll just do one little thing. I, I'm sorry. I guess we're going to go over time a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so here I am over here. This was at the uh, main gate near the um, little alien inn. And I guess, Jimmy, you were commenting. Um, this is Laura Pritchard, by the way. Um, she has her own YouTube channel if you want to check her out. But uh, you said that don't go to Little Alien Inn because there's cameras and microphones in that whole um, motel there. But um, I think I got some pictures of Little Alien Inn. Oh, yeah, there's Misha Johnson. I guess you, you know uh, Misha, Jimmy. You've been on her show. Um, she's had her own talk show out of uh, Las Vegas, but uh, she's since retired. Yeah, <laughs> my book there. Anyway, so there's a, the entrance. So um yeah we didn't go across the gate because it's very legal and um you can get thrown in jail but uh jimmy has commented that uh they if they actually pull you into the base they'll experiment on you so that's why it says uh, expresses a desire yeah yeah do not do that so anyway anyway so i'm gonna stop that okay jimmy last comment we'll we'll, we'll call it yeah i lost a lot of weight yeah since then i started juicing that's why i look different Go ahead, Jimmy. Well, the uh, getting back uh, to Area 51, I think everybody wants to know, but I, I've been out there uh, with the tall whites, and they don't interfere with with the government. Um, so if if you're you're thinking that there, it makes a difference. It's not. They're they're not going to interfere with the government. They they stay neutral. They have their own world, you know, full of problems. They don't need another world. And uh, and stop listening to all these new age preachers. And when they go talking about ET and all that, and um, they're not gods. You know, they're beings just like us. They may look. They may look different or be a little different on their insides, um, but it all goes down to like Europeans meeting the Indians. You know, it wiped out all the Indians. So that's the reason that uh, it's not good to be around extraterrestrials. They're they're basically 
a biohazard, and they also consider you a biohazard. Uh, there's individuals that are specially trained to, uh, to interact with them, and they need their space just like you need your space. And uh, But if you enter Area 51, um, you give up everything, you give your rights up, and it's not worth it, people. It's, it's just not worth it. Thank you, Jimmy. All right, enough of that. We'll call it a day or a night, wherever you may be around the world, and we'll see you next time. I'm, I'm actually have another interview tomorrow, so I won't, so it won't be too much longer. So, good night, everybody, and uh, we'll, we'll see you on the other side. All right, so let's go ahead and hit this. Please consider supporting Super Soldier Talk by purchasing your own Neo Meditation device. Your Neo Meditation device will help you reduce stress, integrate trauma, enhance intuition, enhance clairvoyance, and enhance creativity. Get yours now at www.neologicaltech.com.